0: Alright, kind of a timing demo here to determine how long the episodes I'm going to be submitting to the Paranormal Moments on KAVZ 102.5 LPFM are going to be here. So I'm going to time this intro page before laying out the segments, and then we'll figure out where to go from there. Well, I might as well introduce myself. My name is Brian Lee. I also go by Barncat. Let's just go with Brian the Barncat Lee. I'm kind of just leaning towards Barnket on this one, because Brian is such a common name. Yeah, It's like, you know, I was shopping at a store, and I hear some lady going, Brian! I'm like, what? You know, turn around, and I hear this, put this candy back, we're not buying that. And I'm like, oh, she must have been talking to some little kid. Okay, well, and then I thought to myself, maybe I should just shout back, Well, I'm a grown adult, I cashed my job paycheck, and I'm gonna buy that Snickers bar so there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. No, I didn't. So, yeah, I'm kind of just a, uh, a podcaster, paranormal investigator, minister, actor, voiceover kind of guy. Not saying I'm good at any of it. I'm just saying I do it. <clears throat> um, So I'm going to be submitting these paranormal moments, possibly, to 102.5 LPFM, KAVC, Voice of the Valley, and hoping to spice up the radio a little bit, so uh, add my own uh, few cents in here and there, worth every cent. So if you like what you hear, let them know, and we'll get some more for you, because I like doing this stuff. I do it for free. I do it for my own entertainment even. But if other people are entertained along with me, great. So, paranormal moments, huh? Paranormal. What well, we I guess we'd have to define paranormal. I guess we'd have to define normal. Phew. What is normal? Who's normal? If anybody tells you they're normal, they're out of their minds. They're abnormal. <laughs> What is normal? I would think we'd have to define normal first before defining paranormal. But, you know, let's just go ahead and uh, go over what they're telling us is the definition of paranormal. Something that is outside the norm. Something that is, you know, kind of aside of it. Aside. One word, aside. So, that's paranormal, I guess. I don't know, after researching the paranormal for so many years now, I still don't have a really good definition of it. And if anybody tells you they do, well, I take that with two grains of salt. Who can be an expert in mysteries? If there's somebody who knows everything about mysteries, well, hey, they're not mysteries anymore. Why call them mysteries? Why call themselves an expert? Who knows? Hmm. The paranormal to me I classify as three different branches of it and they do overlap and they do merge together and sometimes they are one and the same. But I like to try to keep them categorized because I I have an orderly mind that likes to categorize things by type and try to make some sense of my crazy world. (laughs) These three sections of things that I investigate are parapsychological, cryptozoological, and extraterrestrial. Now, parapsychological to me defines all spiritual, psychic matters, like ghosts, uh, psychic powers, telekinesis, telepathy, pyrokinesis, cryokinesis, uh, clairvoyancy, clairaudiency, and uh, all other, you know, this and that forms of divination of knowing things that we quote-unquote, shouldn't know, doing things we shouldn't, quote-unquote, do, seeing things that we, quote-unquote, wouldn't ordinarily see, that sort of thing. Ghosts and psychic powers. Cryptozoological, well, in a word I'd say Sasquatch. Another word I'd say Bigfoot. Cryptozoological is a study of hidden animals. To me, they are defined... Best as animals that are out of place or out of time. Uh, Animals that that are out of time, out of their normal time, are animals that we presumed were extinct, but oh, they're still alive. The Loch Ness Monster, yeah, Plesiastore, swims around in Scotland, uh, eating sheep and playing bagpipes. Sasquatch, the missing link running around in the woods and stuff like that. The pterodactyls in Texas, that sort of thing. Cryptozoological, and animals that are out of place, like the weird Black Panther sightings on the East Coast. Phantom kangaroos being sighted here and there. And even the far out crazy stuff like uh, the Jersey Devil. Extraterrestrial, well that's pretty out of this world, I think. That'd be UFOs and aliens, and the interactions with those guys. So that's my three categories right there. Groups I've worked with in the past. Well, the Bellingham Observers of the Odd and Obscure, or Boo, parted with them over what I will just call, go ahead and say creative differences. Olympic Paranormal Research Group, I'm still in contact with, at least with uh, Daniel Hall. I have no idea how active that group still is to this day. The Northwest Paranormal Research Group, I've uh, collaborated with them on some cases here and there. I've also worked with Ross Allison and June Nixon of the uh, Ghost Tours. I have never actually been down to Seattle myself, but I've been there. I've been at one of their para-unity conferences where they talk about all groups pooling their knowledge and working together. And, of course, lately the Washington Abnormal Research Network, me and Travis Fletcher, and various members who have come and gone throughout the, the years since 2012, now, what got me into this? Well, I would have to say that uh, <clears throat> I've been into the paranormal since I could read uh, and found out that this stuff was actually going on, and it fascinated me. Ghosts and monsters and aliens. Oh, my gosh. And my family was uh, pretty supportive of this kind of thing, too, they, too, being true believers. We didn't have a lot of skeptics in our family. We have, um, I don't know, agnostics at, at worst, but no uh, no naysayers. But Matt Dooney, now you guys know this guy, right? He sounds familiar to you? How I met Matt was at one of Matt's contact groups get-together, talking about, uh, well, Sasquatch. I got to hear and uh, listen to a lot of interesting stories and testimonies, and even got to offer some of my own. And now I find this guy's running a radio station. Well, I've known this for a while. So KAVZ 102.5, you want to help this place yourself, you go to the website or the Facebook page and uh, get in touch with them if you have any show ideas or would like to donate to the radio station to help keep it going, help keep quality content like this (laughs) coming to you. Um, But if you want to be a paranormal researcher, well, You're going to have to break down some expectations. It's not going to be like the TV shows, first off. A lot of people know this, but I felt like I had to um, go ahead and explain this myself. Actually, what you see on TV is about uh, condensed concentrate. It's not going to happen, bing, bing, bing. It's not going to happen instantly. It may not even happen at all. But the thing is, if you're out there having fun, maybe with some like-minded people, learning some stuff about this kind of stuff, this stuff, learning the stuff about the stuff. <laughs> That's the point. You go out and you have fun doing it, and you learn a little, little something along the way. Now, a little bit of plug here while the show wraps up, because it looks like it's going to be an even 10 minutes, so we'll shoot for 10-minute segments. Check us out at uh, Watkins Community College on October 26th, In the fall quarter, I believe, we're going to be teaching, co-teaching, me and Matt Tooney are going to be teaching, Ghosts of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah! (laughs) It's going to be some good stuff coming from that one as well. Uh, We'll go over the past, present, and maybe even a little bit of the future of ghost research here in this beautiful Pacific Northwest. Uh, Bellingham. Whatcom County, and maybe even a little bit beyond. I like to change things up a little every time I do this and try to work on ways to improve the class. So sign up for classes at Whatcom Community College, Community Education. Look for us there, and we'll be waiting for you. We want to hear your stories, so pop on in because we'll be taking attendance. Okay, good to go. had to wait for crying the kid to go back inside crying kids. You know the little people. They get to running around so fast and they trip. They get to playing baseball with themselves and get whacked with the ball. (laughs) I'm not to blame for this one. I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the bad guy. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh about that. She really got hurt. I mean, not seriously hurt, skin-breaking, skin-bruising hurt, but you know... So I'm going to apply this segment to talking about getting ready to go to places to investigate. Oh man, there's a lot to cover on this one. I don't know if ten minutes is going to be enough, but we'll try. We shall try. <clears throat> so you want to be a paranormal investigator. <laughs> um, golly. Well, I think... it. Preparation can begin as early as the day of the investigation or even the week of it. If you have a week to prepare for it, even better. Especially if you've got to find a bunch of stuff. Find all the equipment. Assemble it. Get it into a uh, kit bag. I call mine uh, kit bags. I've got kit bags assembled for UFO research, ghost research. And Sasquatch research, so depending on the case, I will grab that bag. If I, uh, if I'm assembling more than one thing, well, then it is truly a mixed bag. huh Ha. Huh. but I call it the old kit bag because uh, the old, uh, the old song: pack up all your troubles into your kit bag and smile, 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 smile and wave, boys, smile and wave. So that's just the equipment end of things, right? I've covered everything? No, I haven't. Check your batteries, folks. Some of the the nature of the uh, research going out and in investigating these types of things can drain batteries. Now, there are various reasons why this happens, but uh, really just make sure that you have your batteries in your equipment charged and have spare batteries on hand. In your kit bag, or whatever. So, get that on the go, because uh, nothing is more frustrating than getting into the midst of an investigation uh, case, or place, or whatever. And then, the low battery signal comes up. It's like, well, what are we even doing here? What are this is stupid. This is stupid. So, yeah. Mentally, physically, and spiritually, get yourself ready for this, too. Because, really, you don't want to get caught mentally, physically, or spiritually caught unawares. you got to be well-grounded, aware, healthy. If you're not feeling up to it in any way, like you may be suffering from a cold or a flu or maybe even a sore throat, who wants to go back and listen to hours of audio, evidence? Just to hear you uh, hacking a lung and sniffling like I'm doing now. Um, Pack food, dress in layers. Dress in layers especially because in Washington State, up here in Washington State, the beautiful northwest of the northwest particularly, uh, the weather can change every 15 minutes. So dress for all four seasons if possible. Um, uh, but I would not suggest investigating out in, uh, skimpy swimwear. That's just, <laughs> that just ain't cutting it. I mean, hey, you can if you want to, but, uh, no. Um, food, bring it on along too. Uh, water, stay hydrated. If you're going to bring food along, try to bring the non-crunchy kind, because... That will also show up on your recordings, your audio, and your video. You know, it's just, uh, you won't even want to hear your own stuff after a few minutes of going, Here we are on site. Nothing yet. It's like No. Also, be aware that some of these places that you'll be going to will have no trespassing signs on them, and uh, it's really good to just follow the law on those, you know. Obey uh, business and park hours. Make sure the people who are in charge of the business or head of household know that you're investigating there. Chances are they called you first anyway, so they're more than okay with it. But just to be sure. Just to be sure. And business cards if you got them. Because you want to get your name out there, that's one way to do it. Have it be a legible business card, not too many colors, not too off-putting, that sort of thing, and all that, and more. I don't know. I think that pretty much just about covers everything. Let's go on to the next part. Transportation and logistics. Oh. Okay, so... Along with getting yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually ready to do an investigation, make sure your vehicle's up to snuff, too, because you don't want to drive all the way down to some place and then wind up broke down at it. That's the stuff of horror movies. If you're driving along and you got to park in front of a haunted house for the night, well, it's, <laughs> it's just not going to be a good scene for you. Maybe not so much frightening as frustrating. Check the fluid levels in your vehicle. Make sure you know where you're going. I like the map functions on these modern smartphones. You just type into that and you follow the directions. Keep your eyes on the road, but follow the directions. And you'll get there a lot quicker than you would than just kind of bumbling around, hoping that you can intuit your way there. (laughs) Don't be like me. Do as I say, not as I do. That's right. Um, Air tire, air, uh, air pressure in the tires, that sort of thing. But that's just vehicularly. That's for just helping you get into the vehicle and drive it safely. Now, as for destinations, yes, your map function is going to be pretty darn good. Um, know who in your group has a running vehicle and who doesn't. <clears throat> Try not to swarm a property or anything place that you go to with too many vehicles. Oftentimes, chances are there is only room for one vehicle to park in there anyway, if at all. So, No. Try to keep it to about one or two vehicles. Uh, Coordinate your carpooling, that sort of thing. At Bathroom breaks, lunch breaks, eat breaks, supper breaks, breakfast breaks, 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 and uh, all that type of stuff. Now we're going to be going out and investigating a bit tonight. Anyway, I want to show you guys a little bit of a deming We're going to go to some areas around Deming and talk about Some of the things that we've encountered out there. But really, this is a demonstration for KAVZ 102.5 to see if you guys want more of this on your uh, LPFM dial. Having the Voice of the Valley, maybe even discussing other Voices of the Valley. Voices we don't always hear, but sometimes we do. And we know they're there. The Unexplained. I love it. I can try to explain it all day, I can make a career of it, I can make a lifetime of it, and I don't think it'll be explained at all. And I'm not just speaking for myself, I think it's just the nature of mysteries. And the mysteries of nature. So, we'll be going out and checking that out in a bit. Gosh, I don't know, what other things should I cover for this, that you guys want talked about? If you guys want to get a hold of me, it's uh, Barncat Radio on Twitter and Facebook, and you can also email me at barncatradio at com. That's barncatradio, all one word, at yahoo.com. And uh, we can get some other stuff uh, checked out and looked into and discussed of, disgusted of, no, 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 just disgust, just disgust, with a D, not a. Because I'm not trying to disgust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think it'll be a, a fun time out tonight. And if you listen to the other segments of this particular demonstration episode, there'll be some fun things to uh, hear about there. So I urge you all to keep tuning in to KAVZ 102.5 LPFM, The Voice of the Valley, for this and many more. Music, talk, local voices, local choices, that sort of thing. And keep uh, apprised and up-to-date on happenings at the Van Zandt Community Hall, the South Fork Valley Association, because there's stuff happening there, too. As above, so below. Who knows? There seems to be a lot of things going on in Whatcom County, both above the ground on the ground, and even below the ground. who knows, who knows. Well, I'm not going to say I do either. But we're here to talk about UFOs and aliens. Now, admittedly, they are the hardest thing for me to research because I think that they're researching us as well. And uh, if they don't want to be found, man, if they don't want to be found, they ain't going to be found. But there might have been some slip-ups here and there. Yep. There might have been some uh, accidental or maybe even deliberate encounters. Who knows? I don't. To this day. <clears throat> well, I suppose you're all familiar with Sumas Mountain, right? Living out in East County, Sumas Mountain is one of the uh, more popular mountains along with Big Old Baker. But Sumas Mountain, there's some stuff going on up there, I think. And think, in fact, and think, in fact, I, I pretty much, uh, am very certain, that there is something going on up there. Now it's going to be harder than hell to get up there and investigate that anymore. So I think I've almost just about pretty much said my goodbyes to, uh, Sumas Mountain, unless there's another way to get up there. But it seems like there's a logging operation going on up there, and. There's a gate set up, and there's no trespassing, and so to get on towards the Sumas Mountain area from the uh, Swift Creek side of things, it's going to be pretty tricky. There are some parking spaces to check things out, though. If you've got the time and the patience, um, that's a good combo for you to take with you when you go there looking for... Orange lights in the sky. Now, why did I specify orange? Well, we saw orange. What do they call it orange? Is it named after the fruit or is the fruit named after? It? Now, never mind. Orange lights in the sky above Numas Mountain. Numas. Sorry, Sumas Mountain. Now, I'm pronouncing Sumas correctly, aren't I? It's not Sumas. Thank you. Just wondering. So, Sumas Mountain. A friend of mine has lived there pretty much all his life from like early childhood and has seen things going on up there, lights going up and down behind the hills, going side to side and all that stuff, but we really didn't see much of it uh, modern happening, modern happening to this day, recently even, until recently even, (laughs) a few years ago we went up there And uh, we hiked a trail, and it was pretty much dark out. It was definitely dark out. We had to park our vehicles and hike down a trail to get there. And we came out in a clearing. Uh, But really, I think right before we came out to the clearing, we started seeing these lights up in the sky. We didn't know what they were. Orange lights that seemed to have come up from behind the mountain. And just kind of sat there. I would say maybe 20 or 30 feet above the trees and they did a little bit of back and forth action, seeming like they were dropping smaller objects out of them and every now and then they would flash out a beam of something to the side or down towards the ground and it was really something. When we saw these things, we were just completely fascinated I mean, you ex- you go out and research these things and all that and try to get a look at them, but when you finally do get a glimpse from time to time, you will, it just still catches you by surprise. And they reminded me of something that I saw down at the Gilliland Ranch down around Troutdale. Uh, so I was telling everybody that uh, about, you know, that these lights would kind of perform on demand. That's right. You you uh, you look up and you say, flare up, and they would brighten. Just like that. Some of them got so bright I can actually see the ground around me. In, you know, pitch blackness in nighttime. We're seeing by starlight and all that. And all of a sudden I could see details of the grass and the ground around me that something up there got pretty damn bright. So I said, I'm going <laughs> to... This is not advisable to try doing, i got to tell you. I told everybody that I was going to try to get in mental contact with this. And I felt like I was just flooded to the top of my head with energy. I was exhilarated. It was one of the ultimate highs. And then the light went back down behind the hill and dimmed. And at about that time, I was kind of tired out, too. Just kind of let back down from that cloud. And, uh... It's like, wow. It, it about had me on my knees. And ever since that instance, we really didn't talk to each other much. We, we stayed quiet for a week. It was like, kind of, we were just processing or something, or just in shock or something. We, All the members of our investigation group were not, you know, talking to each other much. So... Other things noticed during that uh, encounter was a warm wind. Now, this was a cool spring night. You know, things were still getting sprinkled on and stuff like that. But we smelled a warm wind. As if you were, like, standing near an electric heater or even a fireplace. But it had a weird antiseptic smell to it. That's the best I could describe it at the time. Until later on, I thought, maybe that was ozone. I think I was smelling ozone. (laughs) And uh, we noticed some strange impressions on the ground as well uh, from some time or another. They didn't really make sense until after I brought it to uh, a UFO expert's attention. And he said that we could have been, could have very well been right beneath the ship. And the warm air being blasted down on us could have been like the exhaust or whatever drive propulsion system this was. And so I took the information back to the rest of the group and everybody's just jaw just dropped. We got pretty darn close to the mystery. And uh, it was exhilarating. It's exactly what we were all looking for. And so from then on it was really hard to stay away. We made repeat visits waiting for the same results. But we didn't quite experience anything of that intensity anymore. We did see a weird figure in the trees. Um, It seemed to be kind of manifesting in parts, in pieces. Like you'd see legs, then arms, then arms and legs, then torso, then head and legs, and all that stuff. And it was such a reliable look at whatever that... uh, We stood there and watched it for a while, and neither of us had to tell the other one what it was doing. You know, I would point out it was, you know, something going on, and uh, the people with me agreed. Yeah, it was doing the exact same thing, so it wasn't like a mass hysteria thing. It was something actually going on there. Now, it could have been paranormal, but to me it kind of reminded me of that, you know, that movie Predator, the invisibility thing that they do. It was kind of manifesting in parts, like its cloaking module might have been damaged. Who knows? But it was definitely an eye-catcher. And it turns out that there's more to this than ten minutes can possibly um, encompass. But I'm going to try to get to as much of it as possible. It's not the first time we saw funny lights in the sky in the Wakem County area. Oh, battery low funny lights over Van Zant. Now, we were investigating over in the Nooksack area, maybe Everson, I think, if I remember right. And we were driving back, and we saw some weird lights over the Van Zandt area. So we're like, which direction is that? Van Zant. Okay, I guess we're going there. So we drove there, but nothing else happened. We must have looked a little bit odd, parked off the side of the road near the bridge there, towards Hillsdale, and just kind of staring off into the sky but you know after a while you just get used to people looking at you like that well if you want to find out more about that type of stuff the alien agenda and all that in our area there are ufo class there's a ufo class at watkin community college taught by matthew thuney ufos from uh, mesopotamian era of sumerian or ancient eras to the Lummy island incident Now, you can imagine, living where we all live, that uh, one of the hot topics when it comes to investigating the unknown mysteries in this area is Bigfoot, a.k.a. Sasquatch. Now, I first got interested in Bigfoot in this area. Um, I've been interested in Bigfoot pretty much most all of my life, I think. But with this area, uh, Jason Valenti told me that one of the best areas to listen to them was Little Squalicum Beach at nighttime, that you could hear them across the water. And, um, you know, coming from the Lummy Island and the Gooseberry Point area, the water makes a very good sound conductor. That's the premise that's worked on there. But another place he pointed out was... Deming Homestead Eagle Park and um uh, well they've got signs up now I guess it has park hours and uh you can't go there you know late at night it's not advisable even if you aren't causing trouble you know if you got to go there don't make your stay long at least and don't tell them that I sent you there <laughs> that's no um So, one of the first times, actually, I think the first time we really seriously checked it out, though, was during the 2004, 2005 Bellingham Bigfoot Symposium that was held at uh, the Hampton Inn Fox Hall, hosted by Jason Valenti and his wife at the time, Star, and um, it was a very well put together event, actually. You know, there were a lot of researchers, a lot of people that you know, only saw on TV or only read the books of or whatever. And here you got to meet them in real life. Bob Gimlin, Jeff Meldrum, Kiwani, Autumn Williams, um, Tom Powell, Tom Powell, and, well, many, many others. But the really cool thing about that was the second part of the symposium involved an actual Sasquatch outing called Operation Nightwatch, in which uh, we all went out to Deming Homestead Eagle Park, off the truck road there, and watched and waited and listened. Some of us even patiently. So, so we got there earlier than everybody else did. Actually, me and my wife, we pulled up, and I was actually able to do a little bit of uh, listening beforehand, and did hear a couple of weird animal noises and some brush cracking out there. Now, at the time, the dumb, the not the Deming, the um, Nooksack River was actually down far enough that you could actually walk. For quite a ways out into the sand there and uh, stand in the brush and listen. And I did that for a bit, I think. Got back to the park area and Jason Valenti pulls up. And he's like, hey guys, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, doing pretty good. We heard a few things out there. Not quite sure what was going on. He goes, well, you might have to say goodbye to all that because we got about a hundred or so people coming (laughs) To uh, check this out with us. And I was like, eh, it's all good. You gotta be easygoing about these kinds of things. You can't get all tense. Nobody likes a big, tensey head. Throwing a big, tensey fit. That sort of thing. So yeah, everybody else having arrived, there were a lot of cars parked there. And then up and down the side of the road there. And a lot of people... Whooping and hollering and whistling and clapping and clicking rocks together and rock knocking as much as they could and They even did some call blasting on a uh, speaker system there and I really couldn't tell if we got responses or not. There was just a lot of more close-by noise to kind of drown out what we would have heard But I think everybody had a good time anyway. I think it was a memorable experience at least in my opinion So there are a lot of places out there to check it out. If you can pull your vehicle over to the side of the road in a quiet enough area, chances are you got a good listening area. Uh, keep on it for as much as you can. Don't obstruct traffic or park on people's property, but have a little fun with that. I'm really r- curious to find out what the Lummi and the Nooksack tribes stance on Bigfoot and Sasquatch is. I know a little bit of the lummy perspective for from investigating with a guy named Marcel Kagi. A few of you might notice him, know him, know him. He is uh, pretty well known in this area for his investigations of the area, and uh, outspoken beliefs on the topic of the existence of the big guy. But uh, you can check out the Rootsats Road area. There are maybe are a couple of pull-off areas there, if I remember remember right. And uh, there are reports of howls and hoots up on the hill behind Hillsdale. On Hillsdale Road, if you go down far enough, there's a hill down that way. Now, I don't want to send dozens and legions and hundreds of people to be driving up and down that road all night and disturbing the people who... Moved out to the country to get away from that kind of nonsense. (laughs) But it's an area to check out at least. Besides, if there's a crowd of other people investigating with you, you probably don't want to go out anyway. A crowd's a crowd. And that's it. Not three is a crowd. A crowd's a crowd. Now I want to mention here for the listeners of 102.5 kavz FM, LPFM, The Voice of the Valley, the, there is, uh, there's been a Sasquatch class taught at Whatcom Community College, and that was Matt Tooney, you may know him, what a character, <laughs> and Jason Valenti who uh, taught that class. I was in on one of the classes, and then evidently that class was in such demand that they wound up teaching it down in Olympia too, so there you go. But let's journey on back to the Deming Homestead Eagle Park area. To something we call the Jesus. Now, we didn't mean to take (laughs) the Son of God's name in vain there, but we were a little startled. At least one of our group was. We'll just call him Travis. So he was walking along and he was checking out something and got close to the riverbank. Now this is when the river was up more towards the grassy area. Of the park, was checking out something, and a large rock splash hit the water. Something, something big hit the water, and he jumped back and said, "Jesus!" And I, I just love listening to that recording over and over again to this day. I wish I could find it. I don't think I have it anymore, actually. But uh, throwing rocks in the water, throwing anything rocks, twigs, pine cones. It's taken as a form of warning. And if you do a little bit of research actually, their closest one of their closer uh, relatives, the mountain gorillas, and even some other large primates will engage in bluff behavior, where they start throwing objects. And then the next step is they start charging back and forth through the brush and raising all kinds of mayhem. And then, finally, well, Yeah, but it never has seemed to uh, get that far. Another good place to check it out in East County, not as far out of town for you townies who don't want to drive too far, is the Y Road Trailhead. There's a lot of parking there. There's no parking hours. And there's even a trail there, a trail that we photographed a uh, large footprint on. Haven't seen the like since. Haven't seen its like since, but who knows. Could see it again someday. Could just. There are uh, photos of uh, some of these things on the Washington Abnormal Research Network uh, on Facebook page. Group page. It's w.a.r.n with the uh, skull logo on the side there. But uh, yeah, I guess I'm gonna wrap this up here before we hit the 10-minute mark. I want to thank you all for listening to 102.5 KAVZ, the Voice of the Valley, and Paranormal Moments. More to come. Keep an eye on the radio and an ear on the website. Yep, yep, yes, siree. Now I come to ghosts. Ooh. <laughs> Well, what can I tell you about ghosts in the Deming area? Really, not a whole heck of a lot, I don't think. I think that there's more to the story of ghost researching and parapsychology in the Deming area, and I'm really looking forward to getting more and more of that done out there. A guy can get burnt out on the cities, you know? It's like, eh, uh, city. Yay. <clears throat> well, one of the... uh cool things about uh, that area. It's highly weather dependent. I think that's why I'm recording all these episodes inside today instead of actually going out to the places. But I don't know. You know what? If it stays dry like this, I might just go ahead and do an investigation tonight. I don't have to get up early tomorrow. It's Sunday and I don't have a church to go to. I'm okay with that. Um, Ghosts, though. Well, the area out here in eastern Whatcom County has a lot of old, old cemeteries, and a lot of them haven't even been discovered yet. I'm betting that there are a lot of old cemeteries out there that nobody has seen for over a hundred years. One of these old cemeteries, I think was actually more maintained than uh, normal, is the Mount Hope Cemetery off of Marshall Hill Road. We... I went looking for that like years ago one day, me and a friend Mark, and we must have drove up and down the road, didn't see the cemetery, didn't see the green the green lady spirit that was uh, reported to be walking up and down that road at night. So we went on to the next investigation area. A little bit of online research turned up the location of Mount Hope Cemetery, and so I piped the cords to my buddy, Travis, and we both hit the road, doing a little, para- little bit of paranormal recon. Now, <laughs> I can't emphasize that how necessary this is to the research that uh, paranormal recon be done, because... How are you going to find these places unless you go out and actually look for them? You may not find them. You may find them. Do it. Do it. So we found the place and just loved it. And there were so many old headstones out there. Some of them, you know, from the 1800s, early 1900s. Old family names out there. And, uh... Had to check the place out, and we've been back a few times since. In fact, one of my first uh, EVP recordings from the area, my digital recorder, was practically inundated with what sounded like hundreds of voices, all just clambering over each other to be heard. Uh, haven't had that since, but it was it was pretty cool. But yeah, we did. Uh, me and Travis actually did the driving up and down the Marshall Hill. Road looking for the green lady because we found some more reports of sightings of her being seen walking up and down or standing on the side of the road on Marshall Hill Road. Now, we probably uh, disturbed the neighbors living up up and down the road by our constantly going back and forth in our shady, giant, black escalade, but weren't really thinking of that at the time. Admittedly, we're not. Didn't see her either, but we shot a lot of uh, Facebook live from the area and got a lot of engagement. A lot of people wanted to ride along with us. And you know, when I'm actually doing these paranormal moments recordings while on the case, or hell, anywhere, if you hear something strange, like a voice or something in the background, let me know in the voice recording uh, section of this web page. Uh, podcast webpage, and you'll be fully credited with the find, because for all intents and purposes, you are investigating with me. Now where else do you look for ghosts in eastern Washington County? Well, what little I know, we're going to go ahead and just journey on back to Deming Homestead Eagle Park. We saw some interesting lights in the trees there, and a small shadow of what looked like we got the impression that it was a little Indian boy, like a little young Native American, just kind of peering around from behind the tree at us. But when we go to shine the flashlight, you know, quick draw with that spotlight, too. Just BAM! There's nothing there. So, very interesting. But there are a lot of boom towns and mines out in eastern Whatcom County, and I have not even begun to... <laughs> graze the tip of the iceberg on that but I'd like to I'd like to farthest I've gone out to investigate this kind of things is Glacier Washington just up the uh, Glacier Creek Road drive a few miles up hook a sudden left right into the brush BAM! right a rocky old primitive road up to an area that opens up into a beautiful clearing with a view of the entire valley Especially beautiful at night time. Especially spooky when you've got something up there with you. You didn't bring a person with you. And it's not a living person. But it appears to be a shimmering silver white shape of a lady in a long gown. Stepping out from the tree line to stand there at the edge of your campsite. Just standing there looking like it's watching you, looking at you. But when you stand up and try to walk towards it, or her actually, she steps back into the darkness and disappears. So that was the Moon Lady. I'm going to call her the Moon Lady of Glacier Creek, Washington. Now there's a lot of uh, interesting shadow people activity out there too. You know, shadow people seem to be really, really common, especially around Whatcom County. Or maybe it's just that I've started paying attention to them more. You know, when you go out looking for these things, it's easy to find them. When you know what to look, you look for, it's suspiciously easy to find them. But when you don't know what you're looking for, it's easy to completely dismiss and just plain miss a uh, parapsychological encounter with a non-corporeal entity. But shadow people and the moon lady and stuff like that, that's just luck. Skill had nothing to do with it. Those are just luck. So, ghost research out there continues apace. I'm, uh, I was thinking of investigating the Josh Vandriot Park sometime. Right behind the South Por- Fork uh, Community Hall there. But uh, I think it's been decided against because it is a memorial park. And uh, just because it's there doesn't mean we should go around disturbing whatever spiritual presences are in the area. So those permissions are going to have to be worked on first before I overstep my bounds and wind up stepping on toes out there. That's like the last thing I want to do. But about this time, I want to remind you folks that if you're interested in uh, ghosts and paranormal activity in your area, there is a Ghosts of the Pacific Northwest class being taught at Watkins Community College by uh, myself and Matt Thoney He does the first part of it, actually the first two-thirds of it really, talking about ghosts throughout history, theories on them, and brings you up to date on into local happenings in Washington and Oregon, and then I take uh, the end part of the show and try to take a swing at uh, talking about the current state of paranormal research and uh, what's been done so far with that and about that, so... But you can find out more by listening to the Paranormal Moments right here on KAVZ 102.5, The Voice of the Valley, LP and FM. There will be discussions in this local area and uh, music that you just don't hear anymore. Good music, though. Good stuff. I tune in when I can when I'm in the area as well. I I just wish I could pick it up from where I'm at up on Toad Mountain, but... There's a lot of cool stuff going on and you never know when I might be breezing through town. I will have the stations on that. Picking it up and listening right along with you guys. So, on behalf of the station, bye. The evidence gathers because evidence matters. (laughs) Let's just do a little in-conclusion thing here. I'm really glad I wrote up Show notes before um, doing his recorded podcast for KAVZ 102.5, The Voice of the Valley, LPFM, and its paranormal segments. Paranormal moments be what it's called, and it's uh, worth a listen. Now for sweeps. I wrote down uh, one question here in the notes. Uh, that I didn't get to in time, but it's a good question. I think a lot of people ask it, and I think it uh, requires at least an attempt and at an answer. Why would cemeteries, why would cemeteries have ghosts? Well, I think the best answer I can come up with in that is these people grew up in a time where they believed that cemeteries had ghosts, and so having some awareness of their pe- particular and paranormal predicament, they would have um, wound up there somehow. And maybe it's just that somebody is there and thinking about them. Just thinking about them. Being there and even thinking about seeing them attracts them, gives them a good halfway point to meet us on. To meet us halfway. So, that's my theory on that. Ghost towns, though. I've never really tried that out. I've had to investigate ghost towns. Wouldn't that be cool to find ghosts at ghost towns? That's two-in-one right there. That's a dream vacation to me. That's a weekend getaway I could definitely be down for camp out at a ghost town and then actually see ghosts living well-being at a ghost town. I think that'd be great. It's on my bucket list. I forgot to uh, tell you about the uh, Bigfoot or Bigfoot like experiences at Sumas Mountain. There was a stretch of trail there we were walking past where we smelled something just god awful. And by now, I and other members of my group have been educated enough to keep a nose out for that thing. Keep the nose attached, of course. But keep a nose out for that kind of thing. And uh, walking past it again, the smell just wasn't there. Now, we probably figured, okay, well, maybe an animal must have crawled back behind the bushes and died back there because, you know, nature takes care of itself. Uh, a wounded or dying animal will try to find someplace secluded to relax in, to spend away its last minutes and as its mortal coil uncoils. But to have that smell just disappear like that with no perceptible change of wind. Just caught our attention and seemed, seemed squatchy. I don't know if I like her. Hate that term. Actually, I'm a little split on using the term squatchy for things. But uh, on the UFO tip, of course, you know Matt Tooney has been uh, for years now running the Contact Group, the Center for Ontological Action talking about UFOs and other various things going on beyond the pale, beyond the veil, whatever prevails to this day as an unknown and mysterious experience is still occurring. I forgot to tell you guys that he is also now teaching a Crop Circles class at Watkin Community College. Uh, whether he still is or not, I haven't asked him yet, but if he is, you will find him on the Watkin Community College website. Under the community ed section. I've got to update my profile there actually. Thanks for reminding me me. Hey me no problem. So. Crop circles class there. Because uh, evidently there's enough of that to be discussed in a class. And I think it's worth the time and money to check that out. If any of those other classes are any, any indicator. Any any any. I think it'd be uh, definitely worth your time and money to check that out as well. So, sign up. Because sometimes those seats fill up quick. Quick. So, back to the evidence gathers. Why? Because evidence matters. Now, this is the part of uh, the research that a lot of people aren't into. Actually, just sitting down pouring through the hours of evidence from each case, and I know it's a real grind, isn't it? But it's gotta be done. It's gotta be done. Um it may just be down to the length of the digital or real to real recording. Really. Really <laughs> That, I mean, if you just do a short recording, a short EVP recording, and then go back and listen to it on the site, well, the chances are you might be able to get an answer, something heard on that recording that you can use to further the context of the conversation with the non corporeal entity that you were in contact with there, providing that they have the patience to sit idly by and wait while you slap on the headphones and go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, ooh, there's one. But me, I don't like to miss anything. I don't like to miss a beat of it, so I'd like to have one recording going on, one recorder going on continuously. And that's actually something that uh, I could do, is I could sit at home for hours on end with a notebook in my hand uh, with... You know, lines drawn down it to do a column of things uh, where I'd write down the folder something was recorded on, uh, the times, the digital uh, readout of the times on that digital recorder file folder, and the audible or what's said uh, that you're looking for there. That way, when you go to your evidence review, for any kind of public exhibition on YouTube or social media, or even to friends and family, you know immediately where to find it. I used to be able to do that a lot more, but i got to tell you, with a kid, <laughs> focus has definitely shifted. Um, because uh, they'll be like, Daddy, 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 and you're like, oh, I'm listening to dead people. Well, cherish the living, too. Make time for them. But uh, find yourself a secluded and quiet area, meanwhile, to listen to the recordings. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the thing, is to try to find yourself a nice, quiet area to sit and listen to the recordings. Now, be aware of a few things as well. The human mind has a tendency to play little games on itself, little tricks on itself. And um, a few of them, like... Uh, matrixing, I guess it's called matrixing, where the mind has the uh, stunning ability to form patterns out of nothing, just no amorphous shape, something like that, and the mind says, ah, that's a, uh." it's like looking at a Rorschach picture, and go, oh, I see a butterfly, or, oh, it's a little birdie, or, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. When you're looking into the darkness and all that, your eyes will play little strange tricks on you and you will see things out there, especially if you get a little carried away. That's why I say be of the right frame of mind for doing this stuff before you're, you know, out there doing it. Or else, oh, you're going to be taken on a wild ride and you're somehow still the driver. Go figure. Um, Pareidolia, that's another thing. Where uh, your eyes can uh, play tricks on you. I guess there's an audible component to that too. I don't know if that's pareidolia, but uh, where your ears can pick up a sound. And that's pretty easy to pick up one word out of anything. I suppose if you listen to anything for long enough, you can hear words in it. You know, you can hear you know the wind in the trees, the tides, waves rolling up on the beach start to sound like a word. Or if you stare at a TV that's all that snowy pic, you are just like, they're here, and you might as well just throw credibility out the window and have yourself a good old time, (laughs) because, yeah, no. But uh, they also say that there's a phenomenon that happens with the human eyeball that does cause you to see shadow people out of the corner of your eyes. My uh, thing is that if I see something out of the corner of my eyes, I'll note it just in case, but I won't lay all my apples in that basket. I've got to see that thing head on with my eyes and, and maintain a view of it for a long enough time. And that's all from me. I hope you like listening.